Welcome to Writer Spark, the podcast with tips and tricks about fiction writing. I'm your host, Melissa Bourbon, national best-selling author, developmental fiction editor, writing coach, and instructor. When I started my writing journey, learning about the industry and the craft of writing wasn't as easy as it is now. I wish I knew then what I know now, and that is what Writer Spark is all about. I'm paying it forward, so to speak. I want new and aspiring authors to learn from those who came before and are living the writing life. That's what this podcast is about. There are episodes about craft topics and there are conversations with authors because I strongly believe we learn from each other. Wherever you are on your writing path, Writer Spark is for you. Check out Writer Spark's courses on our website, www.writersparkacademy.com. And if you enjoy the Writer Spark podcast, follow and share with your writing friends. Please like and subscribe. It helps others find our content. Today's episode is about deep point of view. Understanding deep point of view is critical. Not understanding it can prevent you elevating your writing to, to the next level and from truly drawing the reader deep into the minds of your characters. So grab a cup of something tasty and get ready to ignite your writer spark. Today, we're going to talk about deep point of view. This is a concept that can be hard to explain and hard to understand. Essentially, writing with deep point of view moves a reader so far into a character's head that they are completely engrossed and there is no distance between the point of view character and the readers themselves. It, in my opinion, it's the surest way to grab your reader's attention and to keep it. It's also sometimes called limited third, meaning that you are in only one person's head through an entire scene and the reader sees everything through that lens. Today, in this episode, we're going to talk about the four steps needed when establishing deep point of view. Before we do that, let's take a really broad look. When an author writes in deep point of view, they are showing, not telling. Easy to say, not as easy to do. Not as easy to understand. Also, showing versus telling is a hot topic. It's always something that is a popular topic at workshops, things that I present on frequently. It's an entire lesson in my novel writing online course, showing versus telling is tough. When you show, the author uses all the sensory details, what the character is seeing, what they're tasting, what they're smelling, etc. But more than that, it goes into the point of view character's mind, showing rather than telling how that character feels and what they are thinking. It also helps develop voice because deep point of view avoids what is called author intrusion. This means that there are no he thoughts, she thoughts, I thought, I could see, he felt, things like that. The narrative instead goes straight to the sight or the feeling or the thought. So it's the difference, for example, between saying, what the devil is the guy doing, he thought to himself, versus what the devil was the guy doing. Which one has us right there in the character's mind? Hopefully you said the second example. It's the exact same wording though. What the devil is the guy doing, he thought to himself. So we have is in present tense, present and active tense, versus what the devil was the guy doing. So we have it in the past tense in this particular example. Um, Depends on what tense you're writing your book in. But we just drop that tag, that author intrusion of he thought to himself. In order to really understand deep point of view, 
we first need to take a look at scene structure. Scene structure builds on a character's goal, motivation, conflict, and ends up with a disaster. This can be simplified by saying that a scene is made up of stimuli, stimuluses, <laughs> and responses. Something happens that then facilitates a response or a reaction. If the phone rings, someone needs to answer it or at least acknowledge it. If the doorbell rings, someone needs to answer the door. But you cannot have a scene with just stimulus and response because that would fall flat. There's, there's nothing to ground it emotionally. Without the action and the character's thoughts, we have no context. We don't know what people are doing or feeling or thinking. And so this is when we go deep. We go with deep point of view. Here we go. These are the four steps to establishing deep point of view. And that occurs by adding emotion, thought, decision, and action. This is the normal process. So here's an example. A character grabs a sword. That's a decision. They think, what am I going to do with this sword? That's a thought. Their stomach clenches. That's an emotional reaction. And then they wield the sword. That's an action. That's a progression of those four elements that we add to create deep point of view. We can change the order around to convey the scene as it unfolds the way we want it to. For example, I could say the stomach clenches. That's an emotional reaction. They see the sword and think, what are they going to do with that sword? That's a thought. They grab the sword, that's the decision, and then they wield the sword, that's an action. So you can move around those four elements to make the scene play out the way that you want it to play out. If we were to put these four elements into a narrative, for example, it would read something like this. He heard the footsteps marching down the hall. His stomach clenched. The sword lay on the table, the blade gleaming, beckoning to him. What was he supposed to do with that? He'd never had training. The footsteps stopped outside the door and he grabbed the damn weapon, readying himself for whatever he was about to face. All right, let's break that down. He heard the footsteps marching down the hall. That's the stimulus. The rest of it is the response. This is how your character is reacting to that stimulus of hearing the footsteps. His stomach clenched. That's the emotional reaction. The sword lay on the table, the blade gleaming, beckoning to him. What was he supposed to do with that? That's a thought. He'd never had training. The footsteps stopped outside the door and he grabbed the damn weapon. That's the decision. Readying himself for whatever he was about to face. That's the action. And those four components combined create the response. Let's talk about that author intrusion. And that's specifically with the thought. What was he supposed to do with that, he thought to himself? That he thought to himself is the author intrusion. We are adding this internal dialogue tag that we don't need. And that takes the reader out of the narrative. So we want to eliminate those types of internal dialogue tags, that type of intrusion that's going to interrupt the flow. So when we think about deep point of view, that's what you want to think about, stimulus and response. And within the response, we have, again, those four elements, emotions, thought, decision, and action. Now, you don't always have to put these in order, as I already said, and you don't 
have to use all of them all the time. And always keep in mind, remember there's rules to be broken. There's no one way to do things. So there is a time and a place for tags and moments of telling, and you have to develop that with your personal style of writing. But deep point of view basically is your best friend. By using these response elements, thought, emotion, decision, and action in a scene. So using them all and eliminating internal tags like he thought or she considered, it's going to help you go deep, get into that deep point of view. Here's another example. So I have various stages that lead up to this deep point of view. Margie heard the chiming of the doorbell. That's the stimulus. Racing to the door, she unhooked the latch and pulled the door open. That's her response. Hi, Bob. What are you doing today? She asked. Stimulus. Nothing special. Response. He motioned with his measuring cup. I wondered if you had a cup of sugar I could borrow. Stimulus, because again, she's got to respond to this now. Oh, sure. She turned back towards her kitchen. That's her response. This example uses quite a few telling words. They create distance between the narrator or the narrative and the reader. They prevent or stop deep point of view from happening. Let's take that same little scenario and add thought and decision. Margie heard the chiming of the doorbell. Not two seconds before, she'd seen Bob leave his house with a small cup in his hands. It was probably her neighbor. That's her thought. She's thinking these things. Racing to the door, she unhooked the latch and pulled the door open. That's her decision. Hi, Bob. What are you doing today? She asked. Nothing special. He motioned with his measuring cup. I wondered if he had a cup of sugar I could borrow. At least he wanted something sweet from her. That's a thought. Oh, sure. She turned back to her kitchen. Response. She turned back toward her kitchen. So in this example, we have added thought and decision. Let's go a little bit deeper by adding emotion. Margie heard the chiming of the doorbell. Not two seconds before, she'd seen Bob leave his house with a small cup in his hands. Her breath caught. That's her emotion. She's, she's having a visceral response to seeing her neighbor. Could it be her hunky neighbor? Racing to the door, she unhooked the latch and pulled the door open. Hi, Bob. What are you doing today? She asked. Nothing special. He motioned with his measuring cup. I wondered if you had a cup of sugar I could borrow. Deflated, her shoulders sank. That's an emotion. At least he wanted something sweet from her. Oh, sure. She turned back towards her kitchen. All right, that passage is so much stronger because it's showing emotion. We have her breath catching. We have her shoulder sinking and her feeling deflated. So we've got these emotional responses. Finally, let's move into the final step of deep point of view where we remove everything telling that we can. The doorbell chimed. Margie spilled the coffee she was pouring. Not two seconds before, she'd seen Bob leave his house with a small cup in his hands. Her breath caught. Could it be her hunky neighbor? She set the coffee pot back on the burner so fast the dark liquid sloshed over the side. Hell's bells. She ran her hand over her rumpled pajamas, tightened her ponytail, and raced to the door. Unhooking the latch, she prayed he thought the tousled look was sexy. Hi, Bob, she rushed, her voice a little winded from the Olympian vault to the front door. She really needed to say no to the Oreo gods more often. What's up? Nothing special. He flashed a sheepish grin, though her gaze didn't linger on his face. No, as always, 
Her gaze traveled south, jeans low on his hips, his signature black t-shirt, bare feet. Now that's how you rock the tousled look. He really was too good looking to be allowed to roam in the wild like this. He motioned with his measuring cup, dipping his head a little to get her attention. I wondered if you had a cup of sugar I could borrow. His tone was warm, but not flirty. Deflated, her shoulders sank. He didn't seem as enamored with her little Snoopy shorts and tea as she'd hoped. Oh, sure, come on in. He followed her into the kitchen, and she couldn't help adding a little extra swing with her hips. All right, let's take a look at this a little bit more closely. First of all, we've added a lot of details, and that's how you make a scene come alive, is by adding the details. She spills the coffee that she's pouring. We understand that she's jolted because she hears the doorbell ring. And then we have her thoughts that she'd seen Bob leave his house, the emotion of her breath catching. She sets the coffee pot down on the burner. The liquid sloshes over because she does that so fast that we know that she's nervous without saying that she's nervous. If we had just said she was nervous as she set the coffee pot back on the burner, well, that's telling. But by saying she set the coffee pot back on the burner so fast the dark liquid sloshed over the side, we are seeing that she's nervous rather than being told that she's nervous. She runs her hand over her rumpled pajamas, tightens her ponytail, and races to the door. So we have a real image of what she's doing and how she's feeling based on these specific actions that she takes. He flashes a sheepish grin. So that's something we can interpret. That's, again, a showing element that we're seeing through her point of view. So we're in Margie's point of view. We're seeing her absorb this sheepish grin. And then we see her reaction to just the fact that he's on her doorstep and that she likes the way that he looks. And he's really too good looking to be allowed to roam in the wild like this. We don't need the addition of a dialogue tag, she thought to herself or she thought. That would just take us right out of her head. So we simply have to say it. He really was too good looking to be allowed to roam in the wild like this. He motioned with his measuring cup. And then we just keep moving with the story, with the narrative. So that's a pretty good example. And you notice how much longer the passage is from when we started and how much more painting of a picture the author has been able to give by adding those details and those four elements of emotions, thought, decision, and action. And that's your goal is to stretch it out use description and really bring the reader into the head of the point of view character. The scene comes alive. All right, here's another example. This one is from my Harlow Cassidy Magical Dressmaking Mystery Series. Her pudgy cheeks had gone ruddy and her hair seemed a little more wild than it had been the night before. She looked like a kid in a candy store. Come on, she said, you can tell me. The flowers around the body. When I started taking pictures, they were small. But by the time I was done, she clicked an arrow on the laptop and another picture popped up. By the time I was done, she continued, they looked like this. The laptop sat between us. She ran her index finger over the touchpad and tapped it with her fingers a few times. She brought her gaze up and spun the computer around to face me. Was that a smile tickling her lips? My breath caught in my throat for an instant and I lost track of what Madeline was saying. My mother's green thumb had gotten the better of her, and Madeline Brighton had caught the evidence on film. I thought I'd stopped her from making the weeds and flowers sprout, but I must have missed one. 
I've never seen anything like it, she said, tapping the screen with the pad of her finger. The rumors are true, aren't they? I sat a little straighter in my chair. Rumors were never good, ever. I don't know what you mean. All right, so we have lots of stimulus response, stimulus response. Somebody says something, the other person reacts either with an action or with a thought. But we have those elements of emotions, thought, decision, and action throughout. So let me just walk you through it. Skipping ahead. So we've got details, first of all. When I started taking pictures, they were small, but by the time I was done, she clicked an arrow on the laptop and another picture popped up. That's an action. By the time I was done, she continued, they looked like this. And then she taps the computer again. That's action. She brought her gaze up and spun the computer around to face me. Now, this is a first person point of view narrative. So the me, the I, that's Harlow Cassidy. So she's the one, we're in her mind. She brought her gaze up and spun the computer around to face me. Was that a smile tickling her lips? That's a thought. We're directly in Harlow's mind. We don't need a, a tag, as she thought, or I thought to myself. It's simply straight to the thought. My breath caught in my throat for an instant. That's an emotion. And I lost track of what Madeline was saying. Another emotion. My mother's green thumb had gotten the better of her, et cetera, et cetera. And then we skip ahead and it says, I thought I'd stopped her from making the weeds and flowers sprout, but I must have missed one. That's a thought. Straight to the thought. I sat a little straighter in my chair. Skipping ahead again. I sat a little straighter in my chair. That's an action. Rumors were never good, ever. And that's a little bit of emotion. And then she makes a decision to speak saying, I don't know what you mean. So adding all of those elements takes us right into Harlow's head or your point of view of character's head. Here's one more example. Let's do telling with no deep point of view first. Lori walked through the fairgrounds. She thought she could hear footsteps coming up behind her. It occurred to her the midway was deserted. She didn't know where the people had gone. All right, not too exciting. We don't have any kind of context about what is going on, what's in Lori's head, what is happening here. Let's add some showing and deep point of view. Lori hurried through the fairgrounds. The tap, tap, tap of footsteps rang in her ears. Her imagination? She tripped over her high heels, stupid to wear pumps to a fair. What had she been thinking? Panic pricked her skin. She should have listened to Ryan. He said it was a ruse, a scam. Who in their right mind would demand a meeting at a fairground? And where the hell had all the people gone? She picked up her pace. Turning around wasn't an option. She looked this way, that way, dodged behind the ring toss booth. That first example doesn't go into deep point of view at all. The second one does, and it's much more engaging. We get a sense of suspense because we don't know who's behind her. She doesn't know who's behind her. We get the sensory detail of the tap, tap, tap of the footsteps. She trips. That's an action. And then we have thoughts. Stupid to wear pumps to a fair. What had she been thinking? Panic pricked her skin. These are thoughts and emotional reactions. She should have listened to Ryan. That's a thought. He'd said it was a ruse, a scam. Who in their right mind would demand a meeting at a fairground? And where the hell had all the people gone? These are thoughts were straight in her head. Interweaving the different elements, thought, emotion, action, decision, and eliminating thought tags helps you get deeper into a character's mind. It's as if the reader is right there. The reader feels what the character feels, sees what they see, hears, tastes, smells, everything that the character sees, hears, tastes, smells. 
the reader is experiencing. They aren't pulled away from the narrative by the text, so there's no author intrusion, no distance created between the narrative itself and the reader who's reading. We're right there with the character, which is exactly what you, the author, want. So I hope that makes some pretty good sense to you. Um, You know, it just takes practice. Thinking about how to add emotion, thought, decision, and action, not necessarily in that order, remember. Um, And again, you don't need to add them all. But adding those elements is going to help bring your stories alive, your scenes alive, and they're going to help get into your character's head. If there's one bit of advice I have for writing in deep point of view, it is to eliminate any of those internal dialogue tags, the he thought, she felt, I believed, things like that. Get rid of them as much as possible. All right. And if you want more on writing novels, I have two online courses on the writersparkteachable.com classroom and school, Writerspark Academy. Uh, The first is Ready, Set, Write, which is all the nuts and bolts about writing a novel. It goes in-depth with so much, and you're going to come away with a very, very clear idea and very empowered and very much more knowledgeable about crafting characters, developing plot, hero's journey in three-act structure, deep point of view, how to write dialogue, all of those things, scene and sequel within a scene, the breaking down a scene into scene and sequel. I also have how to write a cozy mystery. There's also a course on how to write a memoir. And then there are resource books as well, Writerspark Academy resource books, which you can find on writersparkacademy.com. So there we have it, guys. Uh, Hopefully some help in writing and understanding deep point of view. I hope you have enjoyed today's podcast and this craft talk. If you're like me and you like bookish and writerly products, check out our Tee Public store. Please remember to like and subscribe to this podcast. And again, check us out on YouTube. Also, you can read on the Writer Spark blog about a lot of craft topics. Come back for more tips and tricks about fiction writing and learn more about our online courses at www.writersparkacademy.com. I'm Melissa Bourbon. Thank you for listening. And until next time, happy writing.